everyone. So 7,000 hours is a pretty long time. It's 292 days, which is close to a year. That's 420,000 minutes or roughly 25 million seconds. So to put that in perspective, that's 42,000 laboratory talks, not counting overtime. Um, if you're so inclined, 10,500 episodes of Gossip Girl on Netflix. Uh, 729 consecutive flights between Melbourne and Bangkok. Or the number of average sunny days in a, in, in a year in downtown Los Angeles, apparently. It's also the amount of time that Dr. Sylvia Earle has spent underwater in her lifetime. She's one of the best-known oceanographers and marine biologists, and she's spent the past five decades exploring the seas as an aquanaut. She's broken a ton of exploration records. I couldn't fit them all into one speech, so I encourage you to do a Google. But um, this has earned her the nickname Her Deepness from The New Yorker. Before I tell you a bit more about Dr. Earl, I wanted to spend a minute talking about perfection. But I want to do this by looking at the definition of imperfection first. Imperfection is defined as a fault, blemish or undesirable feature or the state of being faulty or incomplete. On the other hand, the word perfect is defined as having all the, desired, all, all the required or desirable elements, qualities or characteristics as good as it is possible to be, free from any flaw or defect in condition or quality. Okay, so we'll come back to this, but just keep that at the back of your mind. So, Dr. Sylvia Earle was born in Gibbstown, New Jersey, on August 30th in 1935. Her parents encouraged her to explore the natural world and the outdoors, and as a child, she spent countless hours at a pond near her house collecting jars filled with frogs, tadpoles and other small fish and keeping meticulous records of what she'd found. When she was a teenager, her family moved to Florida and this is where she had her first experience diving at age 16. When she put on a sponge diver's helmet and descended nine metres to the bottom of the Wikiwachi River in Florida, the self-contained underwater breathing apparatus known as SCUBA for short, had been developed just 10 years earlier by Jacques Cousteau, but it wasn't readily available yet. So the helmet she was using was like really old school, like one of those like ones with the windows that's like attached to the surface that you see in the old movies and stuff. So driven by her keen sense of curiosity and exploration, she enrolled at Florida State University and she got her bachelor's degree. The next year, she got her master's degree in botany from Duke University, where she found her love for something called phycology, which is the study of algae. The Gulf of Mexico became a natural lab for her work. In 1966, she got her PhD from Duke, continuing the research she conducted in her master's. She was one of the first marine scientists to use scuba equipment as part of her research, and she, she identified lots of new marine species in the Gulf during this time. Okay, so I have a question for all of you, and I promise it's relevant. How many records had you broken as a four-month-old fetus? Because personally, I think it's pretty safe to say zero. 
Cool. Um, but this wasn't the case for Gail, Sylvia's third child, who was just a bun in the oven when her mum became the first woman to descend, uh, the first woman scientist to descend to 100 feet, which is around 30 and a half metres, in a submersible called the Deep Diver. Pretty cool, mum, I reckon. Um, a year later, having already spent more than a thousand research hours underwater, she applied to join a project called Tektite, which was part of NASA's biomedical research on small groups of people working and living together in a stressful environment, which involved a team of scientists living for several weeks in an enclosed habitat on the ocean floor, about 50 feet below the surface. Even though by that point she was way more qualified than ever any other applicants, her application was rejected. Surprise, surprise, the committee wasn't into the idea of men and women living together underwater. Remember, this was at a time when, like we heard earlier, um, some institutions of higher education were still refusing to admit women. But in 1970, Dr. Earl was offered to lead Tektite II, which was an all-female expedition in which she and four other women scientists, nicknamed the Aquababes, lived in an underwater um, like room for two weeks. And this project lasted longer than any of the male missions. And psychologists monitoring the project were amazed by how the women cooperated and worked together as a team. Um, the Tektite project was what propelled Sylvia into the public eye. At the end of the two-week expedition, her team was celebrated with a parade through the streets of Chicago. Can you imagine how much more productive the scientific enterprise would be if scientists got a parade every time, say, they published a new paper? <laughs> be pretty good. Um, so I've recently fallen in love with scuba diving myself. <clears throat> I went on my first dive less than a year ago when we were on a family holiday in Rottnest Island in WA. My mum had spent her late 20s scuba diving around Australia and she'd always encouraged me to do it, but I just never set the time aside. I was too busy watching lectures about animals to actually go and see them in real life. My younger sister, who is exponentially cooler than me, um, had already gotten her licence earlier that year. So we all decided we'd go for a guided dive together. Now, I was sure that I would be a natural. So I, um, I overconfidently jumped off the side of the boat before proceeding to have a mini panic attack because it turns out that breathing through a regulator is different to breathing in real life, or in, in air, I should say. Um, it's a feeling that takes a few minutes to get used to, but it turns out that the trick to staying calm is just breathing and focusing on your breath. So once I got over that, the addiction kicked in automatically. Anyone who's been diving can attest to the calmness you feel once you descend down into a world of blue with the sun filtering down through coral reefs. So now I'm making up for last time and this year I decided to get my licence. I've been diving in Sri Lanka and in the Red Sea and I don't think my honours supervisors have been hugely impressed with my international adventures when I was supposed to be in the lab but I'll say it was worth it. Um, cool, so back to a few more of the records that Sylvia's broken. In 1979, she walked along the ocean, the ocean floor off the coast of the island of Oahu at a depth of 381 metres, which is the deepest any human at the time had ever walked untethered 
or ever has since. She was also the first female scientist of the US National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and she was named by the Times as the first hero for the planet in 1998. This earned her another nickname, the Sturgeon General. <laughs> Today, aged 83, Dr. Earl still dives regularly, but in recent years she's dedicated most of her time and energy to educating people about the damage we're causing to our oceans. Sylvia says she wishes everyone could experience living on the bottom of the ocean. Spending so much time underwater led her to get to know fish as individuals, each with unique behaviours, identities and personalities. Sharks don't scare Sylvia, neither does walking alone in total darkness thousands of feet below the water's surface, but there's one thing that does frighten her and it's the state of our oceans. During her lifetime, she's witnessed a steep decline in ocean wildlife numbers caused by overfishing and pollution. She's a vocal advocate for preserving our ocean as an essential life-sustaining body, not just for the fish that live in it, but for us humans too. Our impacts are far-reaching. As I'm sure you all know, plastic particles have been found in the deepest parts of the ocean, as well in the, as in the stomachs of much of the marine life and excessive carbon dioxide from the burning of fossil fuels dissolves to form in, in the water to form carbonic acid. In 2010, Dr. Earle started her own not-for-profit organisation called Mission Blue that aims to gather support for establishing marine protected areas around the world, or what Sylvia herself calls hope spots. These hope spots are protected at places in the ocean where fishing, mining, drilling, dumping or any other form of exploitation aren't allowed. And these hope spots work. In waters where marine protected areas have been established, marine life returns in incredible numbers. This is where I'll go back to the definition I read out at the start. When we damage these ecosystems by polluting or removing too many fish, we leave them imperfect, incomplete. These hope spots are an attempt at restoring ecosystems to their perfect form, having all the required or desirable elements as good as it is possible to be. Sylvia puts it best herself. If we so dismember the natural, the natural systems that generate oxygen, take up carbon, hold the planet steady, it's not that just the fish and the whales and the coral reefs that are in trouble we're in trouble too. So take care of the ocean because your life depends on it. So that's why Sylvia Earle is my science hero. I think that what most inspires me about her is her deep sense of scientific curiosity and continued sense of wonder at the perfection that can be found in our natural world if you just bother to look. And if you've never been diving, I can highly recommend it. Sylvia's own mum was 81 when she went for her first dive, so it's never too late. Sylvia says she's met some incredibly smart fish in her time. She also says that she hopes that someday we'll find evidence that there's intelligent life among humans on this planet too. <laughs> Thanks, guys.